Ask Wildman, the weekly show from full-service digital agency Wildman Web Solutions, is ready to answer all of your questions about marketing, tech, and sales to grow your small business. Each week, the Wildman Web Solutions team tackles your questions and trending topics live. Learn strategies and tactics to take your small business to big revenue. The Ask Wildman show starts now. Welcome to Ask Wildman. My name is Miles Bassett. This is an open Q&A uh, managed by Wildman Web Solutions. We're a digital agency based here in Lawrence, Kansas. We specialize in working with small businesses, helping them to leverage technology to grow and reach their goals. Uh, we started this live stream uh, sometime last year. I guess I should get a date on that because it's been, it's been some time now. I think we're over 50 streams now. Um, Anyway, we started it to answer your questions. We found, especially in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic, we were getting a lot of the same questions over and over. Um, and so we thought we'd start this as a public forum, an open Q&A, so that we can get these resources out there, get these answers out there to anyone and everyone who needs them. Um, so if you have any questions, this is open and available for anyone watching. Throw your questions in the comments below. Me and my team will do our best to answer them. So ask us questions about websites, technology, marketing, business, or just ask us how our day is going and we'll try to get back to you as soon as possible. Also, if you're not watching this live, if you are seeing this later, you can still take part in the show. Email us your questions at askwildman at wildmanweb.com. I do have that address scrolling below me here in that crawler. Um, and we'll try to get to your questions either via email or next week on the show because we do this every week, Wednesdays at 11. So make sure to tune in, like, subscribe, follow, depending on what platform you're watching this on. Um, and also, if you think that this, the information that we're providing here is useful, please give us a share. Uh, tell your friends about this. We want to reach as many people as possible and therefore answer as many questions as possible. Um, so like I said, if you think this is useful, Give us a like, share, get, uh, and help us to reach a broader audience. All right, with that, I'm going to bring in my partner in crime, Mike Hanna. Good morning, Miles. How in the heck are you doing today? I'm doing well. So far, so good with a brand new streaming platform for this week's Ask Wildman. Um, I'm surprised it's gone off as, as smoothly as it has. New technology is always fun like that. I saw uh, the new intro. Yeah, so far, so good. Yeah, the new intro kind of threw me off for a minute. I thought I was on the wrong show there for a second. I, I like yeah, it. well, I, I had to change it up a little bit here and there. Keep people on their toes. Keep you on your toes. No, I'm, I'm definitely on my toes. <laughs> Keep Mike sharp over here. Yeah, it's don't a have enough job. caffeine in his system. Now I'm working on that. Um, anyway, so both of us are here. I'm the tech side of the house, uh, professional software developer. Mike is the marketing side of the house. So if you guys have any questions pertaining to new technologies, uh, to marketing, to business in general, please throw those questions in the chat below um, and we will get to you ASAP. Um, all, and then, like I said before, if you're catching this later, you can still email your questions to askwildmanatwildmanweb.com and we will get back to you later. All right, let's see if I can't figure out how to even get to the comments here. If you're watching, please throw <laughs> something in the comments so I can <laughs> make sure that, that was, I'm actually seeing something here. That was this the one working. thing we didn't test, Miles. Oh, we didn't have we didn't have you <laughs> guinea pigs out there to test things on. So if you're watching this, please uh, throw a comment in there somewhere on we're currently we're on Facebook 
and YouTube. Uh, we will be trying to reach out to some other social platforms later. Um, I think we're maybe doing Twitch later, a live stream on Twitch. Um, looking at some other platforms, we'll, we'll see how that goes. But as of right now, we're on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. So pick your poison. Yes, God All willing, right, so. we'll be on uh, LinkedIn Live soon if the, uh, if the LinkedIn gods may permit it. So uh, okay. we have to give some sort of an offering to him. That now's the time. I told you, no more animal sacrifice. That's not, <laughs> that's not cool. Yeah, all right. Well, let's not get PETA to shut us down. <laughs> I'm, sure that, I'm sure that was a TOS violation. Okay, so I'm monitoring the chat over here. Hopefully we'll have some questions come in soon. In the meantime, uh, Mike, any sort of uh, news updates, um, cool things coming down the pike, the trades? Yeah, um, actually, I was just hopping on to check out some of the trades here. Uh, I don't know if Jeff has joined, but I did have a follow-up to Jeff's question next week. So uh, if you see him pop in, let me know. But, uh, yeah, a couple of interesting things here just right off the bat, Miles. I know last week we talked about um, briefly there at the end how Macy's Department Store had come up with its own um, – media company and in part and part of that media company was a basically a closed circuit uh, advertising platform and uh and disney has now unveiled a programmatic platform of its own as well as walmart has uh, rebranded its advertising network and expanded it and basically is allowing more brands to sell uh to to consumers which they're going to do this through first party data uh, primarily. Uh, so if you are uh, uh, a, a distributor, a business that has SKUs and Walmart, you'll be able to uh, purchase advertising and go directly to their consumers uh, and, and just basically bypass, you know, these, these other modes of communicating uh, your end product to your, your end uh, consumer. And so that's what they're really trying to do is bring things in-house um, as the big marketplaces themselves um, and really, this is kind of an interesting, you know, model, I guess, that that Amazon is is really maybe primarily responsible for driving this. And I don't think people realize how much Amazon drives business for other businesses, you know, for everyone from small solo uh, entrepreneurs to big name brands. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's that's something to. Uh, to consider in this discussion. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, the more traffic Amazon gets, the bigger Amazon gets, the brands who are leveraging that space, they basically use it as a top of the funnel, right? I mean, they're selling directly on that, but also when they make that first initial sale, they're getting the, the data and, you know, they're trying to get people to opt in uh, to different offers that they have, sign up for an email list, et cetera, et cetera. And they're using that massive amounts of traffic that Amazon is bringing to basically leverage and siphon that off uh, to sell their products, but to also grow their brand. And, and so, you know, that model is now becoming quickly, it looks like, uh, you know, the go-to for some of these other big uh, holding houses, if you will, for retail space, these big marketplaces that they're just going to be able to, you know, you're going to be able to go on there and leverage them and that first party data and that audience to sell your brands, uh, much like people have been doing for quite a few years on Amazon. So that was uh, uh, certainly, you know, an interesting 
development here. One other thing, Miles, to tie into some news that we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, Lexus is leaning into sneaker culture. Are you familiar with sneaker culture, Miles? Yeah, yeah. Not as tied into it as some people, but um, I'm aware. Yeah, and they've so they've actually come up with a car-inspired shoe, uh, and 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 they have a whole new video campaign uh, based around that. And I, th- I thought that was interesting in a couple different reasons because I don't know if you remember, maybe it was a month or two ago, uh, Lexus was involved in some um, in, in a really what I would call an, a, an innovative uh, marketing approach on Twitch where they had uh, basically created a platform on there where people could, you know, crowdsource, if you will, a car and that people could go on there and they could uh, put their, their two cents. They could give their revisions. They could say what they liked, what they didn't like. And through that group consensus, they were actually going to design a car that Lexus was going to build. And, and, and so this is another way that they are really tapping into culture and at first it was kind of interesting because I thought, okay, sneaker culture, isn't that a little bit young for Lexus's target demographic? I mean, isn't Twitch a little, you know, young for Lexus's tar- tar- demographic, excuse me, you would think so. But, you know, the, the more I thought about it, it's like, okay, but this is a super long buying funnel, right? And when do, especially young men, right, when do they start to really become passionate about cars it's right about the time they start to drive and and, and, you know they 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 become immersed in this world and you know i remember myself as as a you know 14 15 16 year old i bought uh, motor trend magazine every single month the day that it came out on the on the dylan shelf you know i was down there counting out my 375 to buy it you know or four-wheeler magazine you know or whatever you know these other uh, content players back. I'm dating myself now. Back in the in the magazine days of the '90s, uh, you know, and so that's what they're trying to do. Is they're trying to build long term brand, and they're trying to establish it really, really early in the customer development cycle, and so that that young person becomes uh, attuned and has an association with the brand, has an likeness for the brand, and that they, you know, they start to plan. Hey, one day. When I'm a you know a big wig or whatever, I'm going to buy that new Lexus G series. You know, the, the minute it comes out, uh, I think that was one angle on it. And then the other angle on it on the sneakers thing is I don't think that's just for young people. I think I was just my my initial gut reaction was, oh, that's like a young person trend. No, that's a wealthy person trend. And uh, I actually I saw a gentleman just last week. He was. Uh, he was he was uh, visiting a neighbor of mine, and he pulled in his brand new Tesla. You know, so I was kind of checking out the Tesla. I was like, "That's a sweet ride." And then he got out, and I noticed he had um, I don't know if they were Easies, you know, but some sort of you could tell very popular, almost an artistic like sneaker that he was wearing. You know, and in, in maybe sixties, you know, maybe seventies, but you know, he was he was a, a an, an older but elegantly dressed uh, gentleman, and he had these you know, neon, like artistic kind of sneakers on. And that's when I went, aha, like that, that is actually just an affluent thing. And so I think that just, you know, goes back to this whole idea of thinking outside the box, testing different things and trying to meet your end consumer where they are 
and maybe even like in the example of Twitch is what Lexus is doing there is meet them ahead of where they are. And, you know, in kind of being that first brand that is going to, uh, is going to, uh, you know, get them to identify with, with you, uh, before they're even really ready and thinking about it. And so that was a couple of interesting things that I saw in there, Miles. Um, I don't know if you had anything to add to that. If not, I was going to, I was going to go into some uh, some under, other interesting data that I've been I've been digging out over here. But uh, go yeah, ahead I'll, if you I'll, want to add into, the, into that. I'll take a moment and throw my two cents in. Okay. Um, well, uh, the, I, I was actually I was looking at some statistics earlier um, a few days ago, actually, uh, just looking at different demographics. You know, we're working on a lot of different social media platforms, um, and those demographics, as far as usage of those different platforms, are are key for our business, we're trying to get our message in front of the right people at the right time in the right way. So it's important for us to understand who's using these platforms at what time um, and really how they're using it. Um, so I was just going over some average demographics and there was one that kind of surprised me in there and it was actually looking at um, this sort of subculture, this gamer culture. Um, so that really was heavily influenced on Twitch because you know, initially anyway, that was really built to be a uh, gaming live stream type mm -hmm. app. It's evolved past that to really more of an all-purpose live video type app. But, you know, initially it was just a bunch of gamers. And the stat here was showing that, I don't have it in front of me, so I, I, someone fact checked me here, uh, but it was like just the average gamer was like a 30 plus year old guy. Like this wasn't kids. And I had, I had made the same assumption that you did that, um, you know, Twitch was primarily younger, probably leaning pretty heavily um, on the male side. Uh, but I was thinking of gamers being these younger kids, you know, 16 year olds. Um, but yeah, this was like a 35 year old dude was the average uh, demographic for this gamer culture. Um, and so sometimes we have these uh, preconceived notions about how, People utilize these different platforms. Um, you know, I think you said in a, a meeting last week at one point saying, like, guess who's using Instagram now? It's the middle-aged women is the is a huge growing demographic. It's the on number Instagram one, number now. one. Yeah, number and, one on Instagram and Snapchat right now. You know, yeah, as as early plus. as last year or year before, I was thinking Instagram was that up and coming thing. Again, mostly young people on there and now it's their moms that is dom dominating the, the platform. So, you know, be careful about what you think about these platforms. It might be skewed from your own personal experiences um, or who you know that uses those platforms and you might not be exactly on point. We do this for a living and both of us are surprised every now and then looking at these uh, demographics and who's actually using these apps and how they're using using them. Um, and they don't always get used by who you think. Um, these apps don't always get used in the way that they were designed. And sometimes things kind of take on a life of their own and uh, they develop into something unexpected. So mm -hmm. I'd say keep an eye on those things. Um, and then you were also talking about, you know, this kind of goes into the car thing and the sneaker culture, but something that you say all the time, and that is that decisions aren't made in a vacuum. Mm -hmm. um, so while we might not be directly marketing to the 16 year old if we're you know a, a company like lexus 
if you make Lexus the cool car with the younger generation, that's going to go downstream and that's going to affect the older generation that is now buying cars. Because a lot of times it's the yep. young kids that decide what's cool now. Yep. Um, and you know, these fads can come and go. And if you get this whole younger generation to think that, you know, sneaker culture is a thing and Lexuses are cool, then that's going to affect the, um, the, the buying practices of the generation above them and the generation above them. hundred percent miles. Lots, lots of good points there and a lot of stuff to unpack. So let, let me respond to that. Um, yeah. I mean, geez, you know, it's, it's, um, God, what do I, I used to have a, a term I used for this. Ah, sus suspended adolescent syndrome. There we go. Okay. So I, I, and I, I think I picked this up somewhere. I didn't invent this term and I, I can't remember, you know, I, I read so much shit. I, I uh, often forget where I pick things up, but it's basically, you know, this idea that us old people, and, and now that I'm over 40, I mean, I'm throwing myself in that category, you know, we're not as old as we used to be. Right. It's like, you know, you say, you know, the sixties, the new 40 or whatever, you know, people say, uh, but there's some truth to this in the suspended adolescent syndrome that, um, you know, popular music is a great example of this, okay? Back in the day, and I'm talking about like when I was a kid, okay? <laughs> like we didn't listen to the same thing that our parents did, right, in popular music. It was like the teenagers were rebelling by like listening to Nirvana, you know, and like our parents thought like Nirvana was crap, you know, and they may have had a point there. But, you know, the, but, right, but, right, but right now, you know, the 15 year old daughter loves Katy Perry or, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's not the number one person anymore. Again, I'm not super hip on pop culture as we've, de as we've determined on this show, but they're listening to the same you thing. Try. Yeah, it, exactly. They're listening to the same thing, you know, Bruno Mars or whatever it is, as their 40 year old and 45 year old mom does. Okay. And that used to be a completely generational split there. And so the same thing is involved in the purchasing product, uh, process is that parents now that have the purchasing power identify now more with their kids, especially their teenage kids, than they ever did before. And there's not this huge split. And so going back to your point about decisions not being made in a vacuum is that the top influencer in who that 40 to 50 year old man who's probably the target demographic for Lexus uh, is, is probably their wife and their oldest child. And, you know, they have to get approval from the wife, obviously, because the wife runs the household 95% of the time. And they want that approval from the cool, you know, person in their house who's up on popular trends and things like that. And so that is a great point that, it, you know, it may not just be laying the seed for that 16-year-old for 20, 30 years in the future, I think that's part of it as well, but also knowing that they have that influence uh, in the house. And that's something that a lot of um, uh, CPG, uh, can, um, uh, you know, which is, you know, basically think of, of CPG products as like um, cereals or like shampoos or like things like that, is that, you know, they, when they think about marketing, they think about household penetration. Like, how can I penetrate just one person in the household first and then multiple people in the household after that, because the, if I just get to the one person though, 
they're going to influence that other person. You know, that's why a lot of times uh, CPG products will actually, uh, that are, for example, in grocery stores, they'll actually market to the kids because then when the kids in the grocery store are with their mom, who's going to be the best salesperson in the world? <laughs> that annoying kid that goes, Ma, can we? Ma, can we get it? Ma, can we get it? Ma, can we get it? Why not? Right? Stop that's it. the best salesperson in the whole world, right? And that's exactly we just lost what, all of our viewers yeah, from yeah. your impression, well, right? And that's exactly what the mom, <laughs> that's exactly what the mom says. I'm just going to buy it, right? And so, and so going back to that decision is not made in a vacuum, but, but then you also unpacked uh, a couple other good points there, Miles. We throw in an acronym CPG is consumer packaged goods, by the way, right. BTW. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry. I went straight to the example because I thought that would give a more tangible thing than what consumer packaged goods are. <laughs> but um, So where was I going with that? Yeah. So another, a couple other good points you brought up there. Uh, you know, not uh, not prejudging your audience, not thinking that you know exactly where the end consumer is, because that is always changing uh, all the time. And so you have to always be testing things, you know, something that we always talk about uh, in finding things, because if you just go on your preconceived notions, you're going to be wrong probably at least half the time, uh, especially with with how things are changing, how entire, you know, like I just talked about culture itself has changed over the last few generations. And so you can't just rely on what you've always done. You know, you've got to be looking through the windshield, not the rear view, uh, you know, as, as John Kiefer used to say. And, and so that's super, super important that you're always testing things and you're always checking out, well, where really is my audience? And, and remember, you don't need 100% of your audience. You need to move 10% of your audience 100% of the way. And so sometimes it's just about where can I have that clear connection you know, or a more clear connection with my audience or even a segment of my audience and get better uh, messaging, better engagement and things like that through trying different platforms. Uh, and I think Lexus is, uh, is doing that on, it seems like on multiple levels at the moment. Uh, and so that it's, it's really fascinating stuff, Miles. Awesome. Well, I do want to take a time, uh, take a little time and back up here. Uh, we have been getting some comments. So thank you very much, uh, Chelsea, for having us uh, testing our commenting capability here. I can see that stuff <laughs> coming up. I can respond to it. So um, seems like we're 100% uh, we're up and running here. Um, as she had asked here, we're now using StreamYard for our live streaming. Uh, there's a bunch of great apps out there and we, we had to you know make a decision. But um, this one, yeah, I'm liking it so far. We'll we'll let you know if that changes. Okay, so if anyone else has any questions or anything, please throw those in the comments. I see a couple of likes and shares flowing in, so thank you very much. Uh, again, that helps us to reach not only our network, but your network of people as well. So um, if you can think of anyone that would benefit from you know being able to ask us some questions or getting some of this information, uh, please, uh, throw them in the comments here, tag them, share this to them, whatever you want to do. Uh, we're here to be a resource to people. So, um, you know, the more people you can help us reach, the better resource we can be. Um, so thanks. Thanks, everyone, for the the likes and shares and whatnot here. Mike, I think you had some other newsworthy elements to throw in here and, and discuss. Yeah, uh, I do. There's a good article here, I think, Maybe instead of instead of diving into this, maybe I'll just put it in the uh, 
in the comment section so people can check it out for themselves. But this also ties back to what we were talking about last week uh, with uh, influencers and specifically micro-influencers. And uh, there's just a, an article talking about how that's really going to be key uh, in, in connecting with Gen Z, which is, is something we were just talking about there with teenagers as well, and how that influence is really growing rapidly. So, um, you know, just another thing to, to put in the toolkit uh, is, you know, how can you use influencers? And again, just even probably micro-influencers for most small businesses out there uh, yeah, moving forward. And Miles, I thought about something too after I, I gave the, uh, I gave, I don't know if it was a warning <laughs> last week when we were talking about influencers that no, you can't go uh, give a KU basketball player $500 uh, to promote your brand. But that's a current rule. And that all that whole thing is changing. The NCAA is is changing it. We need to look into that. Uh, I believe it's in the next year or two that uh, there are going to be uh, ways that players can get paid and do endorsement deals and things like that. That would be very very interesting uh, here locally, especially uh, in Lawrence with with the uh, the brand and the reach and the um, authority that KU basketball brings to the table. But okay, yeah, a couple other things here. Uh, I don't know. Should I, I, I got a notification. Looks like Jeff shared our stream. So I don't know, Jeff, if you're listening, maybe give us a, give us a comment or something in there. Cause uh, I was saving something for you here until, until I knew you were, you were tuned in. So maybe until we know that Jeff is tuned in, I'll hold off on that. But uh, clubhouse, let's just talk about clubhouse real quick because I didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. And, you know, I feel like, I don't know. They're going to send me money or something if I keep if I keep promoting them. Uh, but there has been some interesting updates with Clubhouse. Uh, you know, thinking just talking about testing platforms and things like that uh, that I wanted to share with everybody. And uh, it, there's a it, one of the interesting things about about being on an app this early. And and this is not the case with most apps, but you can actually see how they're growing the app. Uh, and they do every single Sunday morning, they do a town hall meeting where the, the, uh, the CEO, the COO, and I think one or two of the, of the other, you know, key principals on the team, they basically do an ask me anything. They ask questions or answer questions, excuse me, uh, that people have sent in from the week and give a little bit of peek behind the curtain of how they're developing this in platform uh, from the tech side of things to the marketing, to the user experience, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, it's really rare when you get a peek behind the, the curtain, even though you know, they're not sharing, of course, you know, most of the stuff or proprietary stuff uh, in an app that has exploded like this. And so for, for those of you who don't know, maybe you, uh, you haven't been hearing us talk about this, it's an audio-only app right now. It's in beta. Uh, and so it's only on iPhone. It's only invitation only. But it's still growing extremely quickly. Back in December, they had 600,000 users. The last number I'm hearing right now is between eight and ten million, uh, is what they're on. They've they've gone from a hundred million dollar um, valuation last month to a billion dollar valuation this month. So they've literally 10xed uh, their valuation in 30 days. And one of the questions that came up uh, on the town hall on Sunday that I thought was relevant was, you know, how are they going to uh, allow brands and companies to utilize the space. And because right now, you know, you, you're not really at least supposed to 
you know, start an account as a brand or a company. It's supposed to be individualized. You can promote your brand from that. But really what they said was they weren't going to go with the uh, advertising model. You know, they weren't going to go the Facebook route, uh, which they've already turned down an offer from Facebook. And, and Facebook is working on a competitor. So is Twitter. So this will all, this will all be interesting how it plays out. But uh, they're, and they're instead going to basically uh, do kind of like brand ambassadorships. And they're asking, you know, brands to go on and create clubs and then host content under that club. And so you may bring in, you know, a health and wellness expert if you're a health and wellness company, uh, you know, to do uh, some talks, some live Q&As, you know, some seminars, things like that, and hold it under your club brand. And they are going to monetize the app where content creators, they're actually starting to beta test this now, content creators uh, can get paid for their content. You can start doing some closed off, like private uh, pay for only content and things like that. And so it's going to be really interesting how this evolves and if it becomes a different type of a model uh, besides the paid ad model, which seems to be, you know, has been the, uh, the, the, the kind of go-to model for most of these social platforms moving forward. Um, so just a little bit interesting, you know, behind the curtain peek there. But like I, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, I really encourage everybody to at least go on that app uh, and test some things. Because even if Clubhouse doesn't become, you know, the next Instagram, uh, it is going to, the voice itself is going to become an extremely critical medium uh, in the near future. And, and really now, uh, like I said, there's already going to be uh, competitors to Clubhouse. Uh, and I think that more to the point, you know, some of these big um, already scaled platforms like take Facebook, for example, I'm sure that they're going to incorporate some voice attributes to their platform moving forward, even if they don't dedicate an entire new platform uh, to a voice on the app. And so it's just a really, really good, I think, way for for us to test something. uh, And that is how to communicate our brand and our message uh, and our value through voice. Uh, to our end consumers, because that's going to be really, really important moving forward. And Miles, I think maybe here in the in the near future, maybe we should do uh, maybe not an entire show, but maybe at least part of a show uh, dedicated to voice and really doing a deep dive on it. Uh, everything from podcasting to uh, Alexa skills, and uh, and and you know, and, and really what's coming, what's happening now, and what's coming down the pipe, and how small business owners can. Uh, can get their feet wet and set a foundation for that in the future. Absolutely. And one thing that I'm really looking forward to here in the near future is just the the raw data that we're going to get from these voice-centric applications. Um, A little bit of context. I can look at uh, years and years of just ridiculous amounts of data about how people interact with different types of applications via text. Um, Basic example of search, you know, looking at how people search for certain things. There's a very different type of of sentence structure that people use when they're typing into Google versus when they're searching for something on uh, Facebook or other social media platforms versus um, how they might ask someone in real life. It's a completely different language. Um, and so we have just years and years and years of data on how people are interacting with people online and uh, with platforms online via text. We've got next to nothing on voice in comparison. Um, 
And that's because it's been fairly limited at this point. We have some voice search stuff, but we don't really have anything else to compare it to. Uh, no one's really interacting with any other kind of platform outside of just basic search and you know what you were talking about and Alexa and other home assistants. Mm -hmm. um, but people aren't interacting with other types of applications outside of search via voice. Um, applications like Clubhouse and the you know, soon to be uh, other competitors, and I'm sure many other applications in that space are going to start to develop an entire new data set about how people are interacting with these different applications using their voice. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to see if it's going to mirror some of the information that we are seeing on how they interact with other social media platforms. Is it going to be something completely different? Is it going to be something more uh, conversational and how we expect people to interact person to person? Um, and I, I really don't know. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to these kinds of applications becoming mainstream and giving us these piles of data to start analyzing and processing and beginning to understand this new paradigm of online engagement. Yeah, that, that's a very interesting point, Miles. And, um, it's, uh, I think there's more growing every day, but there's already applications uh, that are out there to, you know, uh, study the analytics on the Clubhouse app, for example. So, you know, data companies are already building apps for users to get those analytics, get that data and measure it. And yeah, I mean, this, this, this app has really only been, you know, at scale, meaning a lot of people using it, and it's still not a lot compared to other apps uh, for a few months. And so, you know, after a year or two, you know, what kind of data and what kind of analytics we can glean from all this will be extremely interesting uh, because it's really, it is, it's it, like you said, it's a test case uh, just on, on voice as, a, as, a, as an application for uh, communication in the digital age, which really hasn't happened. I mean, voice, of course, is the oldest form of communication, you know, just talking about the human species, you know, it's, it's literally... You know, I mean, I guess maybe nonverbal was, you know, maybe probably first, uh, but language Backing goes you back. over the head with a stick was first, right. But and then we but, figured out words. But language goes back pretty <laughs> darn far in the human experience, and is certainly really, really uh, powerful. Uh, I was, I was actually thinking about this last night uh, after, after me. I just. I, I got to indulge a little bit, Miles, and tell you about what happened on Clubhouse last night. But it, there is some benefit for the people in this. But I just, I had, uh, it was a little bit like Christmas for me. We had, we had a surprise two-hour uh, session with Jay Abraham, which uh, if those of you don't know who Jay Abraham is, he's, he's probably the greatest living marketer, you know, definitely one of, the, one of the greatest of all time and probably the greatest that's still alive. And the guy is a coach to people like Tony Robbins and uh, Damon John from Shark Tank. And he's, he's just a legend in, in the utmost sense. And this was his only second time on Clubhouse. I'd been lucky enough to catch both of them. The first time he hopped on and he talked for about an hour. And like I said, last night he went for two freaking hours. And this is a guy where, you know, people pay him. $25,000 just to have a 15 minute conversation with them, you know? So, so to, to hear him talk, I, I have three pages of notes that I took from this talk. I mean, it was, it was absolutely insane. Um, 
but one of one of the many you know knowledge bombs that he dropped was was just talking about language and brand uh and it got me thinking afterwards just how powerful that is you know if you can if you can utilize language if you can let me, let me or rephrase that if you can change language to align with your brand that is the ultimate ownership of mindshare let me explain what i mean um you know kleenex right when somebody has when somebody's nose is running they they generally say hand me a kleenex right or like do you have any kleenex well kleenex is not a thing i mean it's not like just you know it's a, facial tissue right but it's a brand right and it's like so it's a type of a facial tissue it's not the thing that you're actually you know wanting but they they did such a good job of changing the language that now when people say tissue they actually say kleenex which is like again this is the ultimate mind share in, in terms of branding and top of mind uh google is now a freaking verb Just right Google so it. like yeah they've changed the english language so much that you say their brand name to explain the action of the thing that you do and they weren't the first search engine, right? But they did the best job of branding. Yeah, no one yeah, wants to say, no just go ask Jeeves it. Right, right, right. And, and so it's, it's like the ultimate stage of branding is when you're actually able to change the language or create language. Um, I, I, we're we're going to go way down a rabbit hole if we start talking about <laughs> Jay Abrams well, stuff. But, we're pretty but, close <laughs> to hitting a question in the comments okay. we'll just take a second then I'll, I'll let you loose again um but uh the the question here is clubhouse going to be available on android too uh, <laughs> just the other day i think uh, you were saying that um the, the the founder of android was actually on clubhouse yeah. <laughs> i don't think that we've gotten um a strict timeline yet and again correct me if i'm behind on my information but that we have confirmed that they are in the development stage for putting an app together for android but they have not officially released any kind of timeline or as far as i'm aware even hinted at a timeline for mm -hmm. uh, putting out a, an android app but it is in the works they are building it out unfortunately and i know i've talked about this on the show before um one of the downsides to um, building out mobile apps is that, you know, when you're building an app for iOS, for Apple, and when you're building out uh, an app for Android, these are completely different things, different code bases, different, uh, it's like starting from scratch. You can't, there, there's no overlap almost at all if you're doing it properly. Um, and so it's, it's really a, a hell of a task to put out an app on both of these major platforms, um, especially one as, as complicated and as large scale and as uh i guess just as unique as clubhouse so i'm sure they're working on it as fast as, as they can and i'm sure mike will announce it as soon as <laughs> they let anything out any news on it being uh, shared on on android uh currently they're just out on apple yeah yeah that's pretty much the case there miles and, and yes yeah the uh, the creator of android one did make a specific point that the only reason he has, he has an iPhone is to be on Clubhouse. <laughs> <laughs> he he, uh, he wanted to be very clear about that. 
they actually did that did come up in the town hall uh, just the other day on Sunday. And yes, they they are uh, uh, the, the CEO slash founder said that that is one of their top priorities is to get Android out as soon as possible. They have hired uh, at least one developer uh, that is only working on on developing out the Android platform. He didn't, you know, say a specific timeline, but he did use the phrase months, you know, so I, I don't think it's going to be uh, in the next few weeks, uh, but, you know, probably hopefully by the summer uh, that'll be out there. But that is certainly um, uh, a big goal of theirs. He, you know, he said their number one goal right now is uh, is expanding the platform and getting more users on it. Uh, but they're, they are also you know, having to manage their, what they are currently, you know, the current infrastructure that they have and the current growth, like we just talked about, uh, that they're experiencing. So there are times on the app, like when a big celebrity uh, hops on the app, like Bill Gates was on the other night, like drinking scotch and answering questions, you know, and it's like that makes the whole app glitch. And then like other rooms start to suffer and things like that. And so they're having issues already when, it gets to a peak user time. Uh, and so it'll be really interesting to see how they manage that uh, moving forward in real time with, you know, creating a user experience that doesn't piss people off that are already using the app and people like me that are, you know, uh, you know just you know, advertising for free for them uh, because we enjoy it so much uh, with also balancing reaching those new markets, you know, because obviously uh, Android is, if you want to go international, you really have to be on Android because most of the planet is using Android uh, only here in America is at about 50, 50. And, and so I think, I think that's a huge uh, goal for them, but yeah, as miles was alluding to, it's, it's going to be a daunting task uh, on the, on the development side for sure. Yeah. People don't really understand or possibly they just underestimate the infrastructure needed to put an app out like this. Um, you know, when we're building out an app for the coffee shop on the corner or something, we probably don't have to worry too much about, um, you know, having millions and millions of people using this thing all at once. But when people do have an app like that, they are all hitting a server. You have this app hosted somewhere, just, just like you have your website host. I know I've done talks on this show before about the importance of high quality website hosts for performance, um, for, um, you know, the, the security and reliability of your website. That is just as important, if not more important when you're talking about more complicated software applications, including mobile apps. Um, so they have a, a huge infrastructure issue on their hands here. And as soon as they release that Android app, their user base is going to double in two minutes, if not more. Um, so I'm sure that's, that's another high priority item on their list for um, just making sure that their, their infrastructure can actually handle that kind of baseload usage. Um, and honestly, I haven't looked into their back end to the, to the stack they're using here, um, but I have some assumptions based off of what they're doing here. And that's going to be, um, yeah, scaling is going to be a, a major task. Definitely, Miles. All right. Well, I think I've, bel I've belated. I guess I'll keep waiting and being jealous. At least I get some <laughs> insider view on here every yeah. week. Thank you, Chelsea. Yes, we're, we're trying to limit the, the, the FOMO by, by giving you the dirt. 
uh, here here every week. But uh, yeah, it it won't be long, and and I think that they'll uh, they'll open it up for sure. I mean, they're they're trying to do it as fast as they can. But but yes, I think I think we've created enough enough FOMO now with with Clubhouse. So we'll we'll move on to a new topic there if there aren't any other questions. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go into what I was saving for Jeff. I don't know if Jeff's here or not, but we'll I'm gonna put this down in the comments so he can easily find it. Are you getting a call? Is that I'm, what's happening? I'm gonna have to call them back. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's all right. Your audio just went out for a second. Yeah, I was uh, getting a call there. Okay. Um. Jeff asked me a question last week about email open rates and I just, I answered it off the cuff, you know, and, uh, and then just the other day I actually came across an article with brand new data, uh, uh from 2020. And so this is the updated data. Uh, I think I was giving them data from maybe, you know, 2018 or 2019. So I wasn't off that much. I think I said it was around 17% was the average across all industries. It's now about 20%. Uh, or it is 20% across all industries. But in the article that I linked there in the comment section, uh, there is a breakdown by industry. And so I encourage everybody to go and look at their industry and see what your average uh, open rate click-through or click-through rate, excuse me, click rate. Uh, you know, there's bounce, there's unsubscribe, you know, there's all the kinds of different me metrics in there that it, it breaks down by industry. And so you can see how you're performing specifically with your industry. Uh, but Miles, that, as, as I was doing some digging on that, I found another interesting stat that I, I wanted to bring to the table here for discussion. And that, and, and this is across uh, basically four different platforms and what the average open rate is. So as I said, uh, this is all, you know, recent up, updated for 2020, uh, or this is data across 2020. So for the whole year. Uh, the email rate, as I mentioned, was 20%. Across, and this is across all industries. Instagram DM was 82%. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Messenger, okay, meaning uh, Messenger on Facebook specifically, is 88%. And there's one that's better. Can you guess what it is? I, I, I have no idea. Where do you go from 80? It's already a, just a ridiculously <laughs> high number right, here. Right? Um, guessing text. Boom. Good job, Miles. Text is 98% open rate, which makes perfect sense. I mean, I'll sometimes let it get up to like 20 unanswered texts, you know, maybe like a little bit more than that. And I'm like, okay, I got to like. Go through That's and open up all these. Mike is very irresponsible. <laughs> don't grow up to be like Mike. Answer right. people. But I'm not even going to tell you how many unread emails I have in my inbox right now uh, because Miles will probably yell at me. But let's just say it's multiples and multiples exponentially of 20. Okay. You forget so, that his email administrator. I yeah. Know. So. So don't try to get a hold of me via email. There, there you go. Call me like those people are trying to do. Uh, that's probably the best. Even that doesn't work a lot of times. But, uh, but so, so I want to open this up for discussion because, you know, I think when we throw numbers out like this, it's 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 easy just to throw numbers out there without context. 
you know, and just say, oh, well, let's completely forget about email and, and only do text. You know, that that's not what I'm saying, uh, because, you know, first of all, it's a, it's easier to get somebody's email address. You know, let's start there. It's, uh, you know, it's it's great ROI. Uh, I don't have that stat offhand. I probably should have. Um, I, I didn't really plan this out very well, but you know, there's an insane amount of ROI. And so I think that would be maybe next week I'll work on that is figuring out, you know, what is the average ROI uh, across all four of these platforms, but generally uh, email, you know, since it's extremely cheap to do has a tremendous ROI. Uh, and especially because a lot of people in email are selling big ticket items and they have big lists that, you know, you can generate, 20 to one, 30 to one, 40 to one, 50 to one, you know, with a, with a really good email list. And so that's why I'm not saying with this talk that email is dead uh, by any means. I still think people, most industries and most people should have an email strategy, but, and, and I think email is a great place for long form content or longer form content, because you also have to think about the space and the mindset that people are in. Is I don't that, want to five paragraph text. 100%. You don't want a five paragraph text. You don't really want a novel and messenger either. You know, messenger is more, I want a back and forth, right? Email is more like top down. I want them to consume this and then do something at the call to action. Whereas messenger, maybe I'm trying to pre-qualify somebody before I even give them a call to action. And so I want a back and forth. I want, you know, well, of these three options, which one is your first choice? Okay, because of that, then I'm going to ask you this next question. And because you answered that, I'm going to ask you this next question, you know. And, and so maybe it's more of an engagement. And then a, maybe a text is the ultimate uh, last barrier of communication. You know, we used to talk about that all the time in the radio business uh, before mobile, you know, was a thing. Was, you know, the radio was the last place a connection that you could have before somebody walked into a store. God, that really ages me when I talk about that. Doesn't (laughs) This is before digital phones and stores were still in buildings. It really wasn't that long ago. (laughs) I know, know, but it's like, Jesus, it's like, that was like the bug uh, horse and buggy days. Um, You know, and so where, you know, that's why radio was like that mobile last point of connection, right? Well, now it's text. You know, it's like I can talk to a person of text no matter where they are, even if they're about to walk into my competitor, which, by the way, great hack. Here's a, here's a, just a, here's a little detour here. A great hack. If you have a competitor that has a whole bunch of uh, foot traffic, you know, say an event or I would even do this with a car dealer, set up a geofencing around that event or that that car dealer. And so when somebody is like sitting at a car dealer, you know, waiting for the jackass salesman to bring the car around or to get something fixed and they open up their app, they will see your ad and you can localize it to say, hey, I'm only two miles away or one mile away or whatever. Okay. But that was a detour. Um, but, and so my, my point is, is that you have to, you, you, you know, just like we talk about on social media, you have to contextualize the message into the platform and the psychology of the, of the end user where and meet them where they're at. And so you have to utilize, I think, all of these 
platforms or at least a combination of these platforms but use them in unique different ways to get the consumer to the end the end place the end goal which is obviously doing business with us um but miles you know it, on on the the messenger especially you know that's something that a chat bot you know as we talked about before is a great uh, piece of technology uh, of automation that almost any small business can implement uh, into their Facebook Messenger, drive traffic to it, and like I was talking about before, uh, pre-qualify people, uh, you know, segment them out into different uh, flows, which is, for lack of a better term, or just different sales funnels. And so you can contextualize the message and the offer to people based on what they tell you that they want, which is obviously much easier. You know, it's the old two ears, one mouth, right? It's much easier to talk if I've already listened completely to what the person wants, needs, and feels, and then I can just deliver that to them, you know, rather than guessing those three things and then start talking. Well, you know, that, that, that's a much harder place to land where I want to land. So I want to just open that, you know, up for discussion to anybody listening that wants to jump in the comments. But Miles, what are your thoughts on, on those stats and, and just what that means for how we should be communicating with people? Well, I actually had three points of response and you walked right into the first one, which okay. is automation. Um, so a lot of these text-based um, outreach programs, including email and messenger um, and text, uh, allow you to utilize platforms for a certain amount of automation um, so that you don't have to manually handle these things. Because um, across all of them, these things really only work on mass. They work in bulk, where you're throwing in thousands of contacts at a time, and it's just impossible to handle that properly manually. Um, automation allows you to time things out, uh, to send out uh, several emails to uh, an individual over a course of days or weeks or months, depending on your buying funnel. So. First of all, understand your industry and how to communicate with your audience and then work that into your automation system. Um, you might think, you know, I only have a couple hundred um, contacts here. Uh, you know, I can just handle this myself. I'll, I'll deal with the automation later. Don't. Set it up to begin with because this is going to grow, especially if you're doing it right, if you're putting the right uh, kind of attention here. Uh, this is going to grow. You're going to have way too many to handle. You're going to drop the ball in there. So especially when you're just starting, when you're still small, set yourself up for success later. Buy into a platform. They're, uh, most of them will cost a little bit, but not much. It's still a fairly affordable um, tool or resource to utilize. Um, so whether you're doing a Facebook chat bot or some sort of email marketing um, or text message marketing or something, grab onto a, a tool that allows you to do some sort of automation in there. And that will increase your ability to handle larger and larger lists um, and to individualize those conversations um, in a way that really does produce the results that you want. Let's see, I'm forgetting point two, so I'm going to skip to point three here. Um, yeah, it probably wasn't important anyway. The <laughs> common line, the through line through all of these things that I'm hearing, um, I mean, I agree with you. You shouldn't just jump on one. You shouldn't just be doing email or just be doing text. It depends on your industry, what mix you're going to do, but chances are you should probably at least have a little bit of all of these things out there. Um, but the through line through all of those things is 
regardless of open rate, regardless of technology, regardless of platform, you are looking to be authentic and to engage with your audience in a very unique and personalized way. So like Mike was talking about there, setting up a chat bot that um, doesn't just sound like a robot or something, it's serving a purpose and that is to qualify them, get some basic information and deliver them to a real human person as soon as possible with the most relevant information as possible so that they can actually shorten uh, their conversation um, and, and reach the right person quicker rather than a big, long automated process where we're making assumptions and maybe being wrong about it. Yeah. Regardless of what technology you choose or what platform you choose, your goal should be to present yourself authentically and to have at least the closest approximation you can to a one-on-one -on -one conversation with each and every individual member of your audience, whether that's a hundred people or a million. I think that is what is really boosting these um, engagement rates. That's why we're seeing um, better and better rates from email up to Instagram, up to Facebook and up to text because those platforms sort of encourage that one-on-one -on -one personal connection. If someone's texting me, I'm assuming they're just, they're texting me. This is one of my friends or my family texting me and I'm going to respond to them as if this is a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And so brands can piggyback on that mode of communication. Same thing with Facebook Messenger. I'm not getting a bunch of solicitations via Facebook Messenger. Um, and so when something does come in and it comes in as a message to me, it looks like this brand or this person is reaching out to me specifically to have a conversation because of, you know, insert individual unique reason here for them reaching out to me. Um, I'm more likely to engage with that than a blanket email that I know was sent out to 100 million people and they're just hoping that someone's going to click on it. Um, I think that brings me back to second point here, uh, which was actually I got an engagement um, or someone reaching out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, actually, I think it was just earlier today. That, that was this morning. I got a message from a guy that was the same pitch. I get tons of solicitations on LinkedIn all the time and I just ignore them. I call them. If your message even looks like a solicitation, I'm immediately not going to read it. Um, and this guy had already tried sending one message before. It seemed like a solicitation. I ignored it. But then he sent a voice recording, an actual voice recording of him talking specifically to me. He said, hey, Miles, here's what I'm reaching out to you about. It was his voice. It was not, it was clearly not um, like highly produced or anything. It just sounded like we were having a, a chat like this. And that personal outreach made me respond to him over the hundred other solicitations for exactly his service, mm -hmm. exactly his product that I get all the time. Um, even though I'm not 100% sold on his product or service, um, I'm not completely bought into that solicitation, he got a response, he got a conversion because his outreach was unique and it was personal. It seemed more authentic to me than the competitors, and that's why he was able to break through. I think that's why these platforms that you're bringing up here are having such an incredible open rates, such incredible engagement rates, is because people are able to drive that kind of one-on-one, -on -one, unique, authentic discussion between them and their audience members. I completely agree with Miles. Yeah, and, and especially 
you know, like like you said with the text, you know, that the 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 texting is is I don't know if intimate is the right word, but it's maybe it is. It's very personalized, you know, when when somebody texts to your phone because you you don't give that out uh, as much. And so, you know, the flip side of that is that as marketers, you know, we tend to ruin everything. Uh, <laughs> You know, LinkedIn LinkedIn messaging being being a prime example of that, and so you know we have to be really really sensitive of how we use this as well, and how, and make sure that we are connecting uh, with with bringing meaningful value to the end user, and giving them something that they are really asking for or seeking, uh, and I think that's really really important, and that's why it, it's it's primarily to me. Uh, it's it's a bottom of the funnel tool, you know. It's somebody who has opted in to the bottom of the fu- to the bottom of the funnel to to be converted, basically, and they want that immediate, you know, kind of intimacy and, con- and connectivity with me or or my brand. Um, um, I use the example I, I've used before on the show. I, I'm probably going to get a text here in a minute and and buy some wine from them. Um, <laughs> Winetext.com, though, uh, you know they I they got me. I mean, good guy. I I spend way too much money, but you know they send me about this time every single day a text, and today is wine of the week, and they've been teasing it since Saturday, and I'm like oh, I already know exactly how many bottles I'm going to buy, and like all I have to do they send me the text. All I have to do is reply how many bottles. I'll just put in four. Boop. Shows up at my house, you know. Five days later, that's it, right? But I buy from them so much more that there's other services out there. I'm probably on their mailing list. I've probably ignored 30 emails from them in the past week, right? But like I respond and I convert to the text. Wine text, they send me emails as well. I never open them. (laughs) Like, you know, certainly don't buy through it. I buy through the texting platform. Um, and so it's, it's a really, really high converting method. And as we see, you know, just, you can also just get great attention through it as well. Um, but yeah, back to the voice aspect, Miles, I'm glad you, you brought that up. Um, those, those are called voice drops and that is a, is a technique that more and more, uh, people have been utilizing. I've been looking into that, uh, to utilize for some of our clients as well. Um, and in all the data is, is saying that, yes, it's much higher converting. People pay a lot more attention to it, uh, A, because it's unique. And, it's, and there's, you know, we could talk about the whole aspect of just the voice in general and the personalized nature of that, the connectivity of that. Um, but also, you know, like you said, they use your name. And, you know, that's even just a powerful old salesman trick or saleswoman trick, you know, is, uh, by the way, folks, don't ever let a salesperson say your name over and over again and never accept a gift from a salesperson. There's a little tip for you from an old salesperson right there. Okay. Um, is that they're, they're, they're playing on some, some uh, hardwired cognitive biases there that, that all humans fall victim uh, to uh, one of them being um, reciprocity, reciprocity. I don't know. I can say how reciprocity reciprocity. Yeah, there we go. Um, it's a tough and, one. It, it, that is a tough one. I don't, Too even, many know. Souls, I don't even know what I said. So, um, so, so anyway, so what was I talking about? Uh, 
voice drops <laughs> voice drops thank you so voice drops are a, a not only is it a new technology uh, that you can implement using voice but it's a highly personalized method so you know even when you're writing emails to people you know statistics show going back to the email thing you know if you put in hey miles you know or miles i have a question for you or miles did you know into an email that i'm sending with miles it's probably going to double you know the rate that that that's going to get opened and so you know just going back to the old the old salesperson trick it's just a, a psychological as i said bias that people are tapping into when you could personalize something and so always remember that when we're talking about messaging and positioning and how we're framing our business uh our brand our um our offers and everything to our to our client or to our customers is are we trying to talk to them as just kind of a you know a uh, a, a wash, you know, are we trying to talk to the masses or are we really trying to talk to them as individuals? Because if you're able to tune into that and you're able to talk to them as individuals, it's obviously going to be much more resounding. You're going to have a much higher engagement and a much higher conversion rate than trying to talk to everybody as the same person because everybody is a snowflake, so to speak. We're all uniquely different. And um, that's my spiel on that, Miles. I think we've gone over time. I think we have. Yeah, we're going to we're going to move into the end game here. <laughs> I'm forgetting uh, how to pronounce words. So. <laughs> I've probably been to, talking for too long. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to put a little bit more weight on one thing that you said there and that Go is ahead. people um don't do it. Uh if you're a marketer out there, um if you're a a small business trying to tackle some of this stuff, um yourself or if you're a small business working uh with a not awesome agency, do not spam people, um, regardless of how you're sending information out. If you're texting people, if you're working through social media, if you're sending emails out, do a little bit of research, figure out what the optimum um, frequency of outreach is gonna be for you, for your industry, for your audience that will differ from um, industry to industry, business to business, brand to brand. Um, it varies across geography, across different demographics. Uh, you know, if you're a business in LA versus a business out here in Kansas City, um, you know, that's a that's a very different kind of audience. So do a little bit of research up front um, and don't send out too many things. Make sure that you are providing real value when you're sending something out because ultimately, you know, marketing should be a benefit to both the business that's doing the marketing and the end user. If you believe in your product and your service, you know that you're offering something good, then your motivation should just be to get that in front of the right person, the person who could really properly utilize this and who actually wants what you're selling. Um, if you have to hit them over the head with it over and over and over and over, then they don't want it. You're not marketing to the right person. You're not talking to the right people. So, um, you know, be respectful and using these technologies. It can get out of hand real quick, especially if you follow my first tip and go down the road of automation and automate some of this stuff. It's easy to just say, hey, text this person 30 times a day until they buy my thing. Don't yeah. do it. It's tempting, but don't do it. That um, optimum frequency is going to be a better seller for you, especially in the, the long term here. That's going to be a better strategy for you, and it's going to help to elevate your brand in the long run. Um, so I'm just going to end on that. Don't spam people. Miles, that 
I, I know we're trying to end it, but man, you just opened up a whole can of worms there. That was some <laughs> great advice. That was some great advice. And I mean, we could, we could literally oh, talk no. for like, no, we could, we could literally talk for like five more hours just on that. But I'm, I'm really glad that you brought that up because I, I've, I've gotten a couple questions uh, about that uh, from clients just recently, you know, when, when we've been talking to them about, uh, you know, how much to send out on an email list and, and, and things like that. And, and they, they always say, well, I don't want to spam, you know, and I don't want to feel spammy and et cetera, et cetera. And, and I think that there's a couple key things here that, that I just want to highlight in what you said. And, and, and the, the first thing is bring, bringing value. I mean, that, that has got to be everyone's end metric, you know, is, is am I, when I put something out, is it bringing value? Is this self-serving or is this actually trying to help the end user, the end, the end uh, person at the other end of that line of communication, my audience? And, you know, we, we, we talk about this on the show all the time, but it's so important. And we define value as, you know, educational, informative, or entertaining. But really, it's the educating part. I think people need to pay the most attention to and dive the most into because if you, if you think about what was really great selling and what is really great marketing, it's really just about educating, you know, and I, I used, I used an example earlier that maybe I shouldn't have, cause it's a little bit of a misnomer, you know, and that, that was the crying child in, in the, uh, in the store is that, you know, yes, that works. You know, but, you know, just asking over and over and over and over and over again. But what, what can even work better in terms of a long-term strategy, when we're talking about building a brand, we're talking about building long-term value, is actually not convincing. And Miles and I talked about this the other day. I was like, I'm, I don't ever want to try to convince anybody of anything again. <laughs> it's just like, I'm done with that. You know, it's not, it's not convincing anything. It's not keep asking. We have to keep asking. But it's asking in a, in a way that encourages them to come to the conclusion themselves, right? If I can get you to sell yourself, that is always going to be 10 times more powerful over the long haul than me just breaking you down and getting you to say yes, right? If you can, in your mind, convince yourself and sell yourself that this is what you need and this is what you have to have, you're always going to end up being a better customer or client to to the brand to the customer that you're doing and so that's what we really have to do and that's what good sales and good marketing does and the only way to do that is through education and empowerment and giving the customer and the client the ability to come to these conclusions themselves so that that's part one of the thing i wanted to highlight and the other part and no this this is this is a little bit of a dichotomy i'm going to leave you guys on this to think about until we meet again and the other and hopefully chelsea's still watching because uh she can resonate with this because her and i used to do some some hardcore cold calling direct selling uh together but you know you also though here's the other flip side of that you also have to believe and believe is a key word in your loins in your soul in the deepest parts of your being that what you are doing every day like that value and that educating and the services and the products that you provide to your end audience that they have to have that in order to live a better life, in order to get more out of what they're doing, in order to maximize their resources, you know, whatever. You have to believe with every fiber of your being and that it's a moral obligation 
for you to get in front of those customers and to educate them and to tell them what they don't know and to show them what they don't know. And if you don't have that mindset, you're never going to be able to put in the time and the consistency, and you're always going to fall back in place in those short, you know, shortcut, uh, low frequency, you know, top of the funnel type sales hacks, you know, that don't ever convert meaningful long-term customers that really believe in what you do and how you can help them for the rest of their life. And so it's, it's about balancing those two things. And, and, and that's really the, the secret sauce there. So that's it. I'm done. Got to believe in what you're selling. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good note to end on here. So uh, we're going to wrap up here, but we'll be back next Wednesday at 11. Mike, thank you very much. We will see him next week. Pleasure as always. All right. Thanks, everyone. That is it for this week. Ask Wild Man. We are going to be back next Wednesday at 11, live streaming to our Facebook page, YouTube channel, and possibly some more platforms here in the near future. Um, so make sure to check back there. You can also send your questions in to askwildman at wildmanweb.com. Also, just want to throw this out here. If you haven't already checked out our website, we've got plenty of awesome resources over here just for you. Um, here we've got a free report you can run on your own business. Um, I did want to throw this in here just at the end. We have our live stream archives. So we're uploading any all of our old streams to our website here. If you missed a week, you want to go back and see something that Mike said something brilliant three weeks ago and you wanted to hop back and see what he said, everything is here. We're also trying to um, upload transcripts to all of these as well, or at least show notes so you guys can follow along. In addition to that, under our resources tab, we also have our blog here. If you want to learn a little bit more about digital marketing, about websites, SEO, design, whatever you want, all the kind of things that we talk about here on this show are available on our website. Um, so feel free to use that. That is here for everyone. All right, we're going to be back next week for another episode of Ask Wildman Answer Your Questions live next Wednesday at 11. Tune in then, and uh, we'll see you then. listening to Ask Wildman. Send us a question for next week's show at askwildman at wildmanweb.com.